Welcome to the favorites, the podcast. We are part of Colin Cowherd's The Volume Network. Last week, we debuted our brand new Thursday episode because we've now gone to twice a week since we joined Colin, me and my co-host, Simon Hunter. Last week, Matt Mitchell, our producer, created one of the most brilliant concepts we've ever had in the history of the Action Network. He thought up the Thursday Thunderdome. This is where guests compete alongside me and Simon Hunter in a battle of wagers and wits that makes the GRE look like the puzzle on the back of a cereal box. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chad. Yeah, buddy. People were complaining that I was rigged last week. I just want to remind people I finished with zero points. So no rigging here. I am terrible, even if Chad tries to help me out along the way. I only want you to win. You are by far my favorite Action Network employee and also my best friend and the co-host of the podcast. So I will do my best impression of Tim Peel to find makeup calls. Today, you're going to face off against two challengers. Our first guest is seasoned gambler, Dr. Eric Eager from one of our favorite sites, Pro Football Focus. He is the VP of Research and Development at PFF, co-host of the PFF Forecast podcast. Doctor, good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is, uh, this is fun. What are you a doctor of? I have a PhD in math. Fucking loser. <laughs> Seriously, a PhD in math. That sounds terrible. I actually had a lot of fun. I was uh, a math professor for six years and then decided to work in football. It was sort of the most precipitous intellectual decline of all time. Where did you study math? What kind of math? And then where were you a professor? So I, I got my PhD at the University of Nebraska. They were never good at football when I was there, despite what everybody in Lincoln said. I studied mathematical biology. So uh, a lot of the work I did when I was professor was consulting for government labs and things like that. And, and I taught at a, a college called the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, um, which is in Southwest Wisconsin. I, I taught there for six years and it was a lot of fun. And the crazy thing is, is obviously football is more fun. You don't really need to call yourself a doctor anymore, do you? Like now you're just doing it like to show off. I usually am one of those like easy with that doctor shit. Like I can't help you, your nosebleed type of thing. I love it. I freaking love it. Dr. Eric Eager, our second guest. Oh boy. He also has DR in his- Hey, that's what I was looking for. Hey, that's exactly- You may recognize the voice. It may be making your skin crawl as you listen. Today, we will all be rooting against our friend, Action Network extraordinaire, executive, senior, wonderful producer, newsbreaker, Dan Ravel. I'm ready. I already have a natural rivalry because University of Nebraska somehow goes by NU. They come into the Big Ten and they're like, we're NU. And I'm like, it's University of Nebraska. It's UN. Northwestern is the real NU. Is there any doubt? So I already uh, hate my, my fellow contestant. I'm not interested in that. All right. Here's how the game is played. Today, you'll answer two kinds of questions. First, Traditional trivia questions about sports, sports betting, and the world at large, but also completely subjective and totally asinine open-ended prompts that I will get to judge, which is how Simon Hunter is going to win this game. To accumulate points, you must answer the trivia questions correctly and also convince me that your responses to those open-ended prompts are better than your opponents because just like sports betting, you can't get them all right. 
contestants. Here we go. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Part one, how sweet it is. March Madness has delivered us a terrific Sweet 16, but 16 isn't all it's cracked up to be. Gentlemen, our first question is for you, Darren. The film 16 Candles, shot on the North Shore of Chicago, where I grew up, is a 1984 coming-of-age classic centered around a high school sophomore's 16th birthday. The female lead became an 80s teen icon, and it was the first of many classic films by the director. Name either the star or the director. John Hughes. Darren gets one right. John Hughes. He directed and wrote so many movies. Shot them all in my hometown. Literally. Like, like for five straight years, it was just movie sets in my hometown with Molly Ringwald and the Brat Pack. Best time but to grow up in a town. I mean. It was amazing. Ferris Bueller, Breakfast Club. Not even a, a John Hughes movie, but Risky Business. It was amazing. All right, Simon. A Sweet 16 party should not be confused with this other kind of party defined as a celebration of a girl's 15th birthday traditionally observed in Latin American cultures. Uh, Quinceanera. Woohoo! Oh Simon, man, I thought he wasn't going to get that. You get a point without even uh, needing me to cheat for you. Eric, <laughs> Eric, in many states, turning 16 means you can't get your learner's permit and finally get behind the wheel of a car. But in four Western states, a driver can earn their legit unrestricted license as early as their 16th birthday. Name one of those states. Wyoming. The doctor is not in the house. The oh, answers man. are North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Montana. and Montana. All right, here we go. In 1987, televangelist Oral Roberts locked himself into his university's prayer tower and began fasting, telling his followers he'd, quote, be called home if they didn't raise $8 million in the next three months. And it worked. All I can say to that is, Jesus fucking Christ. If you could pocket a cool $8 million if Oral Roberts won it all this year, what would you be willing to do to make it happen? Simon, you're first. My answer is going to be weird just because a lot of people would do a lot of things to get $8 million. And I honestly wouldn't. Get out of here. Of course, I'd want it. But mine's going to be weird. So the worst scenario for me is either going to involve spiders or being trapped with a person I hate. If you've ever gone away in a bachelor party, you, you get stuck with a weekend with a bunch of guys. For some reason, man, I always attract that one guy at the party that likes to tell the 20 minute stories. It makes my skin crawl just thinking about this weekend I had with this guy. The entire weekend, he would just kept telling me 20 to 25 minute stories. He just wouldn't leave me alone for the entire weekend. That's the limit I'd push. If someone would say, I will give you $8 million to spend a weekend with this guy telling you 20 to 25 minute stories. I'll do that. I'll take that deal. Oh my God. That does seem like torture, like just on a loop. You just keep living the same thing. Groundhog day. You know, what's funny is last night at dinner, my kids who are 17 and 14, my teenage boys, for some reason, they asked me about my bachelor party. And my bachelor party, I went to Vegas with a bunch of buddies. And then that night we were going out to dinner that Saturday night. I walked into one of my buddy's hotel rooms and he's like, man, you look great tonight. I'm like, thanks. And he pulls out an Elvis polyester one piece jumpsuit, a wig and oversized plastic gold glasses, uh, uh, sunglasses for me to wear. And I was dressed as Elvis the entire night. And I got to tell you, you want to have the greatest night of your life? 
dresses Elvis in Vegas for your bachelor party. You are the front of the line everywhere. And then somehow my wife, who doesn't even know I have a podcast, even though I've mentioned it a thousand times, knew exactly where the pictures were from my bachelor party in 1998 and found them and showed them to the kids. You got to post them. You got to post them in either the Slack yeah, or on You got to post those, Chad. Walked right into that one, didn't I? Eric. Yeah. This one's pretty easy for like this you know, crowd, isn't it? I mean, to not be able to bet on sports for like three to six months, like Oral Roberts was, was trapped in his office for three months. Like, let's say three months, no betting on sports for $8 million. I'd do it. No, that's a terrible answer. That's <laughs> awful. Simon is putting himself in a endless loop of torture. And you're saying I won't bet on sports for three months or six months. But by the time football rolls around, I'll have $8 million to bet on sports again. Forget about it. Darren, you got to beat Simon. Well, listen, I've done more crazy things in the last two years, thanks to Fade Revell presented by PointsBet, than arguably any person in the world. Uh, when I think about what would really be the worst thing for me, and I heard Simon with spiders, I think of a, a creature. When I was five, I stepped on a frog and it squished. It's been you know 38 years since that happened. And I still feel the goose in the bottom of my shoe. And I am scared of frogs like you wouldn't believe. When I found in my pool filter a bullfrog two years ago, I screamed so loud that someone was going to call the police because they thought someone was being murdered. I will stay in a room full of as many frogs as you could put in it for, I would do it for a week to win $8 million. You know what? Here's when you won. You won when you said you stepped on a frog. It actually gave me the willies. Like I had like the shivers and I felt my shoulders shake. That's when I knew you won. I had a visceral feeling about the frog. Darren Ravel, you win our first prompt of what would you do for $8 million? Stay in a room full of frogs for a week. Nice job. Round two. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Let's play a game we call Shop Around. My mama told me you better shop around. Oh, yeah, you better shop around. March Madness has been great so far. And to celebrate a trio of Sweet 16 matchups, I will present you with three things, okay? Number one, a retail item. Number two, an actual eBay item with a buy it now option. Number three, a specific dollar amount to spend. Your job is to tell me which you can afford and which you can't. So Simon, you have $80. Can you afford, this is the actual item, the original face value of two good seats to the 1985 Villanova Georgetown NCAA championship game, or this item currently on eBay, a Baylor apron from 1981 with kitchen quarterback across the front. You got 80 bucks. Which of these two things can you afford? I feel like $80 goes you way further back then. So I'm going to go with the Georgetown Villanova game. You were close. The tickets were $43 each. So that was 86. The apron, <laughs> somehow the apron is $70. Steal. Dr. Eric, you have $399. Can you afford the total price of all 40 entrees at Hugo's, TripAdvisor's top-rated restaurant in Fayetteville, Arkansas? 
I know Matt Mitchell is so busy and I cannot believe he actually did the research, thought of this question, and then researched the 40 entrees at Hugo's at TripAdvisor's top-rated restaurant in Fayetteville, Arkansas, or an autographed first edition of Oral Roberts' autobiography currently on eBay. Again, you have $399. Given what the, the money that the televangelists rake in, I'm going to go with Hugo's. Listen, Dr. Eric... You did the math. I feel like that should be your buzzword. Like if, we, if this were a sitcom, it would be like, Dr. Eric did the math. Have you seen the planes that these dudes fly in? Yeah, no joke, right? The uh, cost of the entrees at Hugo's is $395. The book, $399.99. You'd be 99 cents short. Nice answer, Dr. Eric. Darren, you have $50. Can you afford a legitimate fully tanned beaver pelt for sale on Etsy? or a mid-conditioned 2018 Sister Jean Loyola Chicago bobblehead currently available on eBay. By the way, don't forget, Darren Ravel, Buyer's Market, every other week on Sundays, sponsored by eBay. Uh, I'm going to say that a beaver pelt is relatively expensive. I mean, it's a real beaver pelt compared to a produced bobblehead. I know the original cost of that bobblehead was $25. So I don't know how much they've inflated it, but I'm going to say the sister Jean bobblehead is the cheaper of the two. The pelt is $45. The bobblehead is 80. I'm going to protest that question. So I'm going to protest is noted. It will be ignored. All right, guys, next up. March Madness is fun, but nothing beats the NFL. So let's build a FanDuel parlay. Looking at the championship odds for the Sweet 16 and the latest Super Bowl odds. Oh, Simon, you're going to love this. Make your case for the best championship parlay combining a Sweet 16 team with their closest NFL team. Eric. So I interpreted close, closest as like geography. So I'm going with Syracuse and Buffalo. I think you're trying to play to the producer, Matt Mitchell, who grew up in Western New York and loves the Buffalo Bills. Dr. Eric takes Buffalo and Buffalo Bills and Syracuse for 792 to one. I actually had the same answer. I am going with the Buffalo Bills and the Syracuse Orange. Oh, all right. Well, Darren's taking the same thing. I did it backwards. Like I didn't do Sweet 16 first. I did how far down can I get to a real winner? And I got Buffalo. And then I said, okay, well, what's the closest team? Syracuse. Wow, what a joy. There's only two teams that are have worse odds than Syracuse. And when you're making a parlay, you got to take a stab. So 792 to one, that's what I went with as well. All right. Eric and Darren both went with Buffalo, Syracuse. Simon, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, I thought it was like who has the closest odds to one another. So a team I love in the tournament that's still got great odds is Oregon State, the Beavers, plus 7,000. And we talked about them on our last show, the Giants. I might not believe in them, but they do have a chance. And their odds are pretty crazy where they're plus 6,500. So combining those two together, it's like you bet 10 bucks, you're going to win $300,000. So Oregon how, State and the Giants. How, many, how much money is going to be lost by, jo- by people chasing the Josh Allen thing, right? Like quarterback who's crap for the first couple of years, can't hit the broadside of a barn, ends up being eventually very good. We're, are we applying this to Drew Locke and Daniel Jones? Like how, much, how many futures bets are going to be placed by jo- on Josh Allen like quarterbacks coming up here? The host of the podcast did that. <laughs> but I will say the host of the podcast also bet on probably one third of the teams in the NFL. Thanks to Simon Hunter. And by the way, Simon Hunter, 
You win, my friend. You know why? Because I interpreted the question the same way you did. I wasn't thinking closest geographically. I was thinking which odds are closest for teams in the Sweet 16 and teams in the NFL because you think like I think and because I think like you think and we are companions. You win that round. This show is bullshit. You're bullshit. Let's get an update on the score. Dr. Eric has one point. He answered one question correctly. Not so smart, is he? Simon has two points. Simon barely went to college and was a grip on Jersey Shore. Darren went to Northwestern. He has two points. So right now, the guys with fewer degrees are beating the guy with the most degrees. That's how I'm seeing it. It's, it's, a, it's a couple degrees of separation. All right. Round three. The season that never sleeps. Gamblers have kept a keen eye on NFL free agency with familiar faces landing in new places all month long. Let's talk about it. Simon. Oh, boy. The Indianapolis Colts have been quiet this offseason, except for a trade for quarterback Carson Wentz, who will look to recapture his college heyday. At North Dakota State, Wentz was a member of five national championship teams, and they've now won eight of the last nine FCS titles. That is North Dakota State. Besides the Bison, nine other FCS programs have won the national championship this century. Name one of them. I'm hoping this is right because this is a... uh... This is a really legendary school in the East Coast because it has some of the prettiest women. Uh, JMU. James Madison University. A lot of good times down there. Man. That's, a, that's a fun party school. If you're looking for a smaller school that sells a good football program, JMU, man, that's a fun school. It's, it's ridiculous. You have like this glee when he gets it right. You're like, yes. I mean, what kind of judge does that? Don't be jealous, Darren. I just, I just came on this show thinking it was going to be a fair it still may be fair. I gave you the frog answer. I didn't give it to Simon. By the way, Dr. Eric, he's not complaining. He's smarter than all of us combined. He's not complaining. The pro football focus guys complain a lot less than the Action Network guys. By the way, that's why they're winners. Darren, the Dallas Cowboys are currently 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl after locking up quarterback Dak Prescott with a contract worth $126 million guaranteed. $126 million is just enough to give $1 to every citizen of this Asian country consisting of five main islands? Um, let's say Japan. Japan. Eric, after Drew Brees retired, many assume Jameis Winston will be the New Orleans Saints starting QB after he re-signed last week. They also restructured the deal of their do-it-all quarterback, Taysom Hill. His new four-year, $140 million contract seems outrageous, but is actually a clever maneuver to immediately free up more money against the salary cap. It reminds many in the region of another seemingly expensive deal that turned out to be a brilliant asset maneuver, the Louisiana Purchase. And Matt Mitchell's right. I believe the Times-Picayune did a front-page op-ed on how the Taysom Hill deal is just like the Louisiana Purchase. In 1803, the United States paid $15 million for the Louisiana Territory from this French ruler. Ah, the the history is not not my strong suit. I'm going to give you a hint, okay? I'll put it in math terms. The total number of letters in his first and last name is 17. I don't think that's going (laughs) to help at all for me. Some would say... He tried to compensate for his height by conquering more lands. Oh, man. I'll have to pass. Do I I lose a point for passing? 
You lose a point for being a fucking PhD and not knowing that Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte is the Bonaparte, only French yeah. ruler that anybody in any history class knows. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. Jesus Christ. Dr. Eric, uh, here's the next prompt. The Buffalo Bills enjoyed a breakout year from Josh Allen and earlier this month signed a much maligned quarterback named Mitch Trubisky to serve as his new backup. Please give me your best comparison for this kind of backup plan. For example, like I'm saying backing up Josh Allen with Mitch Trubisky is like your wife saying she can't go on your honeymoon. So you go with your dentist instead. Darren, you're up first. Uh, I had a uh, aquarium in my house and um, I was on a plane and I was having, I had a fake aquarium and I bought a shark, but I thought I bought a shark with fake dollars. When I got off the plane, it turned out that it charged my credit card $50 for a fake shark. And so I thought I was getting a fake shark for free and I got a fake shark for money. What? What? I don't even get it. That's terrible. Eric, this is your chance to redeem yourself. Yeah, one of the great television shows in the last decade, House of Cards, when uh, Frank Underwood, played by Kevin Spacey, became the president, he chose one Donald Blythe to be his vice president, who had to be the weakest person in that entire show. The, the idea of backing up Frank Underwood with Donald Blythe, to me, like one of the, the backup plans that stuck out to me as being one of the worst. I loved that show. Amazing show. And then after all the sexual assault allegations against Kevin Spacey, he kind of went around the bend, right? And just kept responding to the allegations as Frank Underwood. And that was fucking weird. Yeah. But that is a great, great answer, Eric. Simon, give me an answer that I'm assuming will just be better than everybody else's. Oh, yeah. This was, a, this was an easy one. You'd be shocked into this shot. I was a problem shot as a kid. Um, mm -hmm. If I saw a fire alarm, I had to pull it. And that probably went from like age eight to like 10. Could not be left alone. I always a full fire alarm. So my dad, I think he had enough and he goes, you want to go to Disneyland? And he hyped it up. And I was like, yeah, let's go to Disneyland and packed all my stuff in the car. It was just me and him going. I thought we were going. And he took me to, it was like this rinky dinky, like fair park kind of thing where they had like a little roller coaster, like a thing in a parking lot of a strip mall. He goes, this is where I'll take you. And I'm taking your brothers to Disneyland. If you keep being bad. So this is like a perfect example of, Oh you my think God. you're going to Disneyland, you're getting Josh Allen, and then you get your local strip mall roller coaster in uh, Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my God. That's horrible and amazing. And as I, I listen, I really wanted Dr. Eric to win because he deserves it. But that answer is just too good. That's that. That's such a great parenting move. I kind of want to use it right now. That's a good answer. Simon, you win. I'm sorry, Dr. Eric. In honor of our very special guest, Dr. Eric Eager, who earned a math PhD from the University of Nebraska, also known as NU, we're going to celebrate some of society's most determined and resilient contributors who, even at the top of the game, too often toil in obscurity. We're talking, of course, about NHL players and the world's foremost scientists. So we're going to play a little game we call... Hockey player or famous scientist. The game is very simple. I give you a name. You tell me if it's a current NHL player or one of planet Earth's greatest scientists. Fucking Matt Mitchell is unbelievable. I cannot believe this is how he's spending it. This is a time. great show. It's such, it's so fascinating. Darren, you're up first. Martin Karplus, scientist or hockey player? Scientist. Quantum chemist who won the 2013 Nobel Prize in chemistry. Very nice. Eric. 
Christiane Nuslane Volhard. I don't know much hockey, but I'm going to take a stab that this is an NHL player. You studied mathematical biology? I did. Development biologist. She won the 1995 really? Prize in Physiology and Medicine. Good for her. Simon, Nils Hoglander. L- legendary defender. I'll take a hockey player. He is a <laughs> hockey player. He plays for the Vancouver Canucks. There you go. Darren, Lene Vestergaard Howe. I would say that's a scientist. Danish quantum physicist yes! named World Dane in 2010. I feel like I'm pronouncing these names so well, and I don't even know if it's right. Eric, Eric, ready? Jean Frechet. Well, there's a derivative named after Frechet, so it's a scientist. French-American biotechnologist. He co-invented chemically amplified materials, a critical part of the miniaturization of nearly all electronic devices. We all Oh, a debt to Mr. Or maybe it's Dr. Frechet. Simon, Joel Erickson Eck. That's my second favorite ever microbiologist. So I'm going to go scientist. Also amazingly plays for the Minnesota Wild. Yes, <laughs> I needed Simon to miss me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were trying. I thought you were going to try to trick me. Darren, Thomas Sudhoff. Umlaut over the U. He's a hockey player. I said the umlaut over the U because I figured it would throw you off and make you think he was a Swedish hockey player. Biochemist and leader in the field of synaptic transmission. Hagendas! Eric, Eric, Nicholas Ellers. Come on, come on, wait. Eric, 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 you just got a scientist. This goes against everything you guys teach at TAN, which is like you're never due, right? Maybe we're lying. (laughs) But I, I will say, I will say hockey player though. Please for the Winnipeg Jets. Way to go, Eric. Way to follow the math. Simon, Igor Sharangovich. Definitely sounds like a Russian hockey player, but I'll go scientist. Dude, plays for the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm wearing Flyers gear as we speak. How I know you you're that? a Flyers guy. Here we go. Well done, Matt Mitchell. That was fantastic. Uh, an amazing segment. Right now, the current score, Darren Ravel has five. Simon has four. Eric has three. I like that it's a close race. I kind of want Eric to win. Just saying. If anyone's betting on this, which there probably should be some lines on this posted on some sports book, let's work on getting a sponsor for that. On this podcast, we celebrate math and science because both play a huge role in the world of sports gambling and to a less interesting extent the rest of our lives. Imagine you are in charge of a $100 million research budget at a major university. You are charged with advancing the art and science of sports betting and therefore the betterment of planet Earth. What research do you immediately green light? What do you hope to discover? Darren, you're up first. Well, I've been talking a lot about dopamine and all these things and basically saying that everything is sports betting these days. I would try to do uh, some sort of science project involving nerve function and dopamine study to figure out how sports betting is different from crypto, is different from investing in memorabilia, is different. So study all those areas and find out if sports betting has a holds a different nerve function or part of your brain than other gambling outfits. I would like to know how sports betting is different from other forms of gambling biologically. 
Oh my God, that's such a good idea. I'm so proud of you. That's a great answer. Let's do it. Eric. Yeah, I like Darren's answer. The question is, is how do you build in a control? Because I would say you, that's a lot of money. So you could obviously build a sports book within a university. Anybody, you know, signing up for a college now gets a card that has, you know, uh, bison bucks or dragon dollars, something like that. Every student is subsidized, given a certain bankroll every single year that they're allowed to bet. And the data from which these these students you know bet with is publicly available through a .gov account, so that all the great people at Action Network, PFF, Gambling Twitter, whatever, uh, can study the the patterns and behaviors of eighteen to twenty two year olds betting you know the National Science Foundation's money. Interesting, interesting. So you want to build a controlled sports betting experience on a campus, what is the end result? You're going to be like a sports book. You're going to have, you know, user behavior. You can find out what the characteristics of going on tilt are, who, who the sharp betters are, how, how do they synthesize information. And obviously that data being available means that every single statistics class on that university will be the best statistics class that's ever been invented. But why can't I just do that in partnership with a sports book? I guess the difference is like you get access to the human beings, right? Access to the human beings, but also the data would be free, like publicly available since it's a, you know, United States funded research project, just like uh, AFID data is available and stuff like that. Let me ask you a very important question. Your success in this game depends on you answering this correctly. If you had never heard Darren's answer, would you include the ability to study all speculative markets so that way you could truly understand the difference between NFT, crypto, and sports betting, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's a bigger problem though, right? Because part of the using the money is to build the experience, right? I think the experience of sports betting, to Darren's probably uh, point, it sets it apart. You don't go to a bar to like buy a, a, an option, you know, drink beer and watch that thing evolve over time. I like your answer a lot feels very practical and it might, it might consume Darren's idea. It might. Simon. I would update the doomsday clock. It's been like a minute away from the world destruction since like the sixties. I want to update it with sports gambling odds. So I want to know, are we minus 200 to keep going for the next year? Are we, are we plus 2000 to be knocked out in the next couple of years? I wish they would update it where it's like gambling odds instead of just a clock. That's like, Oh, we're, we're five minutes away or we're one minute away. We're 30 seconds away. I feel like it would be a great thing to combine both worlds at the end of the world and the gambling odds. I think part of the way you sell an idea is in the language. Selling an idea that says we're spending $100 million to update the doomsday clock, it's like saying we're going to Mars. There may be a practical application. There may not be a practical application, but it will rally people. It will get people excited. There will be stories about it in the paper. Oh my God. The doomsday clock, it's being updated to reflect where we are in society, which is increasing legalization of sports betting, increasing acceptance of sports betting, increasing love of sports betting. And we're spending this money because it will make people happier and help them better understand what sports betting is. I'm not going with the fucking geeks. I'm going with doomsday clock. Suck on that, Darren. Whole show is rigged. The whole show is rigged. Here is the current score for our grand finale. Simon now has five. Darren's got five. Eric's got three. All right, here we go. I need Eric to fucking rally here. The topic is the Kansas Jayhawks. 
How much would you guys each like to risk? Please text your amount to producer, show creator, nothing doomsday about him, Matt Mitchell. Okay, here we go. Starting around 1988, CBS broadcasters began referring to this round of March Madness as the Sweet 16 before learning it was already trademarked by the Kentucky High School Athletic Association. The trademark issue was eventually settled, but 1988 also gave America one of the biggest upsets in NCAA championship history when six-seeded Kansas defeated one-seed Oklahoma in the finals as eight-point underdogs. On the floor, Kansas was led by Danny Manning, and the team was nicknamed Danny and the Miracles. But on the bench, Kansas was led by this coach, the only coach ever to win both an NCAA and NBA championship. The answers are in. And the answer is Larry Brown. He also won with the Detroit Pistons. Simon, give me your answer and the points that you wagered. I'm embarrassed as a Sixers fan. I knew it was him and I couldn't remember his last name. I was like, it's Larry something. So I sold out and I said, Phil Jackson, like an idiot. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I only wagered one point. So I'm at four points now. Wow. Interesting strategy. Last week you went all in. Okay. Darren. I did answer Larry Brown and I wagered zero. What? Yes. Why? Because I thought that I couldn't deal with Kansas. Upset alert. And But when you go history on me, when you go sports history on me, I'm real good. So I was not sure you were going to go back. And once you go back, once you went back, I was like, oh, my God. I have five, I have five points now. You've got five. Uh, Simon's got four. This is for all the marbles right here. Yeah. My NBA knowledge has declined substantially over the last 10, 15 years. Luckily for me, Larry Brown was coach prior to that time. Uh, I shoved all three of my chips into the middle and said, Larry Brown. Celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. No way! No way! This is bull! No that is way! Amazing. Dr. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, proving it, coming through in the end, using all his algorithms that he studied for all these years to give himself six points to win the Thursday Thunderdome. And bringing up the rear for the second week in a row, Simon Hunter. You have no bigger advocate than the host and judge of the show. I know. I'm good with imagination, so I can give fun questions. But these Jeopardy questions, man, you keep killing me. You're, you're doing questions before the 1990s, before I was even born. You're killing me. I... Freaking love it. All right. Before we sign off, here's a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Patrick King. You do not hand in crap like this. I should fire you and burn down your friggin' house. All right. This has been the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. It has been the Thursday Thunderdome Trivia Edition. I want to thank my co-host, Simon Hunter. I want to thank Action Network analyst, Darren Ravel. I, of course, want to thank our winner, the brilliant Dr. Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus. Until next time, download us from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I am Chad Millman. Love you. Love you.